Thank you for joining me for another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. I'm with Bright Digit, specializing in development in the Swift space and Apple space as well. Today we have with us Jacob Gorbon. Hey, Jacob, how you doing? Good. Thank you. So, Jacob, I've known you for, I want to say, like, the first time we met would have been, like, release notes, maybe. But did you go to release notes? Yeah, I've been to all of them, yes. Yeah, so uh, that's probably the first time I met you back in 2015. Um, back in the good old days when we used to actually, like, travel and go to conferences and stuff. <laughs> I, I miss those days. I've done, um, gosh, two conferences this year that have been, I've spoken at that have been remote. I've got uh, three more conferences, actually, by the end of the year that I'll be speaking at. Um, all remote all from the convenience of this wonderful home office here, which has its advantages, um, assuming nobody's home uh, along with me, who's little and requires a lot of attention. I think we're kind of in the same boat, actually. There's There's been an adjustment for me, certainly, because I have a lot of family members who live in this house. I don't know about you, but like I've worked remotely for 12 years now. 10 years almost. So what's, what's new to me this year has just been dealing with like me and my wife scheduling and taking care of the kids while we're working, which, um, you know, that's the big curveball this year, uh, with COVID and everything with 2020. How about you? Has there been any big adjustments working remotely this year? Well, I was in this lucky situation kind of as you are that I was already working remotely. I've been in indie since 2009, like full-time indie. Uh, so like on this front, it was fine. Like I didn't have to adjust to working remotely. Um, but as you, as you have, like I have like my kids and uh, there's like a school age. They're not very small, so like it's easier, but uh, they were at home most of the time. I have my, one of my kids at home right now and I can ask him to be quiet, like for the next hour. <laughs> Well, well, we record, right, and not bother me with anything. So other than that, it was like, it was fine. Yeah. How long have you been in indie? And kind of tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that you've been making over the last 15, 10 years. Like I started dabbling in Mac development um, on the side, like while I had a day job um, in 2005. Uh, I got my first Mac and... I was already like a hobby developer and uh, usually when I kind of tried a new operating system that I like to try those, I would try to see okay, how do you develop for those. And and so I tried to do something for the Mac, which I had like a, almost like a app that I would, would try on different platforms to do, like, a, you know, my go-to project. And I did that and eventually on the Mac, I liked the, like the, the software environment. I started to learn about Cocoa and how this works and all these new concepts uh, that are in Coco, and I also started to like the, uh, you know, the community of the um, Coco developers at that time. They were very, very open and helpful, and I could see that all oh, people do business with that. And I kind of, oh, I never considered that really that much, <laughs> like doing software and and selling them directly. And um, and so this first app that I did, kind of, it grew into like the first app in the business. This is um, what's now one of my Mac apps, uh, Image Framer. So now it's in version at version four, but you know back then it was the one point like the ugly point one point So I would continue studying on the side, and um, by two thousand nine, it was still not earning anything uh, much. But 
I found a like part-time partner and uh, we started to work on a new application, which is um, Cash Calculator, which we also kind of still have and developing a second version of. And uh, I decided to try and make it like in the full-time, kind of, you know, gave my notice uh, at the day job and... And it's been a pretty, it's a like very lucky ride, but kind of it was, it was fine. Like I don't know, maybe I made less money, but I had a much more fulfilling uh, and kind of relaxed life than the day job, I guess. Yeah, I I'm in the same boat. Um, going independent uh, has been one of the best decisions I've made in my life, and just there's ups and downs financially, most certainly, but like. I had to take that over the flex, the flexibility and like just the lifestyle over, you know, it's worth the benefits uh, quite a bit. Yeah. 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 For, for me, I had like such a, I had a long commute. I had a, you know, pressure. I didn't see my family. So like all these, like I gained so many lifestyle benefits uh, from going indie that kind of, it outweighs all the like financial problems like we could have or like, Possibly. Now I do work also um, consult for for a different company remotely as well. So my time is split between like managing my own products, my own team, and uh, and doing the consulting work. Yeah, yeah, same thing here. Doing the consulting work and doing the independent stuff. Hey folks, so here's the thing. You're probably thinking to yourself, I want to build a brand new app. Or maybe you already have an app in the App Store. I think now is probably the time you're going to want to really optimize that app in the app store. And what I mean by that, make it easy for people to find it and for people to download it. It's one thing that you can build this great app for the iPhone 12 or iOS 14 or watch OS 7. It's another thing being able to help folks who have their brand new iPhone or their hand-me-down being able to find all these new apps. And this is where app figures really comes in. They give you everything you need to do this all in one place. So if you have a really good idea or an app idea and you want to see how many people are searching for that, AppFigures is going to be your spot. If you already have an app in the App Store and you want to see what words you need to use or what terms you need to use so that people can find you easily, AppFigures is for you. And it's really easy. All you have to do is use their promo code Empower3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. That's it. That's not asking a lot. And AppFigures, they don't just have this really great universal analytics dashboard. They also provide a lot of other great app store tools for optimization. And that's really the name of the game. That's going to improve your visibility, and that's going to help you find more users. AppFigures has more than a decade of providing mobile analytics and insights. And they also have this new tool called the Competitor Intelligence Dashboard, And that allows you to track competitor downloads and understand what strategies you're going to use so that you can grow your bottom line. That's the thing. You can have a great idea. You can get users maybe by personally reaching out to them. But if you can improve your visibility on the App Store, that's really the name of the game. So go ahead, head over to appfigures.com to try AppFigures for free. If you like it, both the new and existing customers can use the special code Empower3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. So go ahead, give it a shot, and let me know what you think. And if you need any help, try out some of those new app teardowns that 
Ariel has been doing. They've been fantastic and they've been really providing a lot of help to me. And I think to a lot of folks to what they need to do to get their app store apps up and working. So go ahead and try it out with empower 3030, get 30% off for the next three months or try the link in the show notes below. Thank you app figures for sponsoring our show. So has any of your clients or anybody that you've worked with have had to adjust, not necessarily for you, but for the other folks that they work with have had to adjust to dealing with remote teams and managing a remote team? My client, no. So because I have one client and I've worked for them for the last five years. So it's it's a very um, kind of consistent work environment and they are mostly remote. Um, as they already were. So um, uh, unless maybe, I don't know, maybe their sales team, which was kind of had a local presence, as as far as developers, they were already remote. So um, I guess they had to do like just, again, only a few adjustments. That's good to hear because I think like some companies have had a really difficult time adjusting to being remote this year. Um, what are some of like the biggest lessons you've seen uh, from other teams going remote or having to go remote. Okay, so first of all, I think the biggest lesson is that it can be done, right? So I think the <laughs> many co- companies like wouldn't believe, right, that they can work remotely. Uh, like there would be more downsides than than upsides, I guess. Yeah, it certainly seems like this year it's accelerated. Um, it's been going on very slowly as, as soon as technology caught up. Um, I just I remember like twenty years ago when we had all the situation with airports after September 11th, like conferencing video conferencing became this big attraction and then kind of died out. Whereas like this year, a lot of companies have accelerated and found a lot of benefits to it financially, specifically when it comes to real estate um, to not having to, you know, have offices for folks, but it seems like this year it's really accelerated that, that move to remote. Yeah. I think one of these examples is um, like maybe one of the largest, uh, Canadian uh, software companies, Shopify, right? So they were all like in, I think, Ottawa region, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, and so again, with the COVID situation, so people start to work from home. They gave people like, you know, some money to, you know, like buy a chair or whatever, like for the home office. And, uh, you know, a couple of months in, they said, oh, we will now be what they called like the digital first company, right? Like, so like the new hires will all default to working remotely. And maybe, yeah, maybe they can. There was another company in, in Canada in the news that, like, I think the largest software company, but it's kind of enterprise company. And they said, oh, we will just, yeah, like many people will not return home and we will just, you know, sell one of our buildings. <laughs> right, right. That's that's the thing is like the ability not to have to pay for rent on on a building is a big attraction. So, what do you think are some lessons that folks should come away with when it comes to like dealing with a remote team? Oh uh, well, you know, re- remote work is it's all about communication, right? So, um, the communication style changes, and uh, if you when you work in you know at, at an office, you can you know, just knock on somebody's door or the chair, right, or the back and 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 ask a question kind of remotely. It's different tools, right? So the first of all, the company or the team, right, they have to decide what tools they use for communication. And for many, it was already like, you know, maybe using Slack maybe is like one of the most popular for uh, smaller companies. And uh, this is what kind of we're using at Apparent Software. 
uh, as well. So you have to agree on like what the style is while communicating, right? Like how you respond and, and, and have expectations about like what's reasonable, like time to, for people to respond. Right? It's kind of, it's a big topic, but uh, like communication, right? And I think the larger the um, company, the more, I guess guidelines the company should have, like the either the HR people or the you know the the, the leaders of the company set some kind of uh, guidelines for like how people should talk on Slack, like how to respond and um, and what to expect. And um, like my clients who are um, a bigger company than mine, uh, they do have that, and it helps. So what are some, like, what do you mean by guidelines exactly? Well, it could be, first of all, okay, if you have multiple channels, so uh, like um, what to post on each channel. If it's um, um, like you need a response, then again, on, on Slack, you can have these like emoji responses, right? And so like maybe even just know that you've seen uh, like somebody wrote, maybe it's an announcement. So just maybe put in, I don't know, like an eye emoji that you've seen this announcement, right? Stuff like that. If like a reaction emoji, essentially. Yeah, reaction emoji. Yeah. 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 And I think like for me the the guideline has always been is like email is usually the slowest form of communication. Like that's something that you expect in like a few days. Then you have the emergency of using like something like a text message, personally texting somebody if you like if it's really, really important. And to me, like Slack is somewhere in between where it's like you want to get a hold of someone in a conversational manner, but you don't want it to be as slow as email, but it's not an emergency. And that's like kind of where Slack or Microsoft Teams is the other one I've seen as far as like communicating with folks. I am on, gosh, like 20 Slacks at least. I don't know how many you are, but it's like every specific API and every specific geographical area technology and then of course every time i pick up a new client they're on their own little slack workspace so i feel like i've become an expert in slack accidentally over the last few years the other thing i was going to say is like using mentions in a healthy way and making sure you are using dms and channels properly so what i mean by that is like a mention is a good way to get a hold of someone who's just not going to be like babysitting a specific channel in Slack. And the other thing is like some things could be DMs, but if it's something that could be helpful to a whole team, it might be worth putting that in a specific channel. Um, that's let's say you have Android folks or iOS folks. Like if it's something to the helpful to the whole iOS team, you may want to ask that question in the whole iOS team as opposed to to DMs. Is there any other slick Slack tips you've run into? I think this thing like about posting in the correct like channel or DM is the important like decision for everybody to make, right? It's similar to like you wouldn't want to invite just everybody to a meeting and kind of waste their time if they're not related to the questions you're you're asking, right? Yes. And this may be what leads to sometimes like proliferation of Slack channels, like even all smaller groups, right? Because maybe somebody is, uh, I don't know, like a manager, maybe needs like, you know, both see the marketing and the development side, but maybe the, uh, you know, the marketing team doesn't necessarily want to you know, see the development chatter and vice versa. So, so yeah, this kind of etiquette, I think, becomes important. And not mentioning if you don't have to, like, or if it's not really urgent. And, and yes, I do feel kind of the same about, 
like the email versus Slack versus text message kind of uh, um, urgency, uh, right? Uh, hierarchy. So Slack is, yeah, I would like like to have a reply relatively soon, but it probably, yeah, today or like the next uh, big start of day, right? Like, like yeah. especially if you're working like across time zones. So um, in, in my team, I have uh, some people are like, basically same time zone, but I have a developer in, in Poland. And so it's, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm in Canada. So we have uh, our time difference. And so that's fine, right? Like, so if I message him and he's already not working, and so he replies the next day, and that's fine, right? Or the same for me. I think that's a that's one of the things. Time zones definitely something I've had to get used to as I've worked with more people uh, and just being comfortable with that. But like this idea of asynchronous communication, um, you've talked about like how when you're in a workplace, you can just tap on somebody's shoulder or just go to somebody's cube and say, hey, I got a question for you. You really have to do that with Slack and you have to have like a healthy attitude of knowing that somebody is not going to like message you back right away. And I I like that because I always hated being interrupted um, in an actual office. I always found that to be unhelpful. And I think a lot of companies, they just don't like that. They want to be able to get a hold of you all the time and constantly interrupt you. And I think that's, that's I, I'm hoping that the remote team thing teaches companies good habits at communicating in an asynchronous manner. Because if you really need to like, talk to someone and you really need to like meet with someone that's what scheduling meetings is really about. I don't know how you've found it over the last few years. And like at the parent software, I do try something different now. So like the regular timing of like meetings and whatnot, it happened. Like we had like the weekly meeting where you have a small team, right? So we kind of, we all get on the, on the call and it's like, you know, development, the marketing, the design, we kind of all, all hop onto the call and, uh, and we'll have our like weekly status and decisions and kind of tasks for the next week. I did find, well, sometimes it's just kind of takes too long a time. So like if somebody gets either stuck for uh, like on something or they're not, you know, banging their head and, and they're just afraid to ask, like, like again, in a different environment, maybe they would just, you know, come by and ask and say, oh, I have difficulty with that. Either because of Slack or again, maybe like personal styles, people will sometimes keep kind of to themselves and kind of keep trying to solve the problem instead of like asking for help where this could save a lot of time. And so I did ask for now, like for like from developer and designer to and kind of be trying as an experiment where they will like end of day will, you know, write me, okay, I've been working on that. And then maybe I'll be like working on that tomorrow. And if I had like any difficulties or the difficulties or. So basically like a standup, that's what it kind of sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically like a daily standup. Yes. But instead of like in the, in the morning, especially because again, we're different time zones and everybody's remote. So like we don't do it at like set time, right? So people just usually like end of their day, whatever time they decide they will kind of say Okay, I did that. And I, I see with the developer, so like my developer, he's like a junior developer. So, uh, you know, I help him in like mentoring him. Uh, and uh, and thus, uh, you know, like I can see, oh, like uh, maybe he's stuck here or maybe he says I'm stuck here and I can help it more like quicker than previously. He would sometimes like wait several days before it kind of, I don't know, maybe mustering the courage to ask or whatever. Like maybe he didn't feel uh, comfortable asking. And so I wanted to encourage encourage that, and it doesn't necessarily mean I will reply right right away. Maybe again, maybe I'm in, maybe in a different time zone, or maybe I'm busy with my client work or whatever. But at least it will be you know it will not take more than a day 
or like probably several hours to get uh, like to the point. And 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 so far again in this experiment, I find it it helps. Uh, it helps me to understand again what, where my kind of my team stands, and like especially like with regards to the weekly tasks or whatever. And with the development, it helps me help the developer quicker. And and that's also kind of run the project uh, maybe with quicker as well. How do, that's a really good point about the junior developer. How do you create an encouraging environment for them to ask questions? Because I could see how somebody might be intimidated by that, especially a junior who might think, you know, oh, they're not going to think I'm very good if I ask these questions, so I should just keep my mouth shut and waste time. Yeah, well, just as we started, and, and, and this developer did work in a different place um, like for several months, like as his first job, where he wasn't encouraged to ask for help and was kind of like, I guess, reprimanded for it because he was wasting other people's time. And right. of course, it wasn't very helpful for him. And uh, and when when we started to work together, I was very kind of, you know, I was encouraging that right from the start saying, you know, if you have any questions, uh, you know, ask me. And like, I, I never reprimand or anything, right? Like, like I, I try, I try to explain. I try to explain the. I will ask questions, so like he, he will try to get to the, you know, answer by himself. So like, and he learns how, maybe like to think, right, or how to use the tools, or uh, so you know, encourage the learning. But I think it, it was he was maybe still maybe just trying to learn by himself. Again, he's a self-taught developer, so. You know, I'm a self-taught developer, so it kind of makes sense for me. Okay, I was banging my hands sometimes, like you know, for hours or days to find a, to find a solution to something. But um, sometimes it would have been nice to have a, you know, an experienced developer to ask in the beginning beginning of my career, and uh, especially like you know, there was no Stack Overflow and uh, no Slacks uh, for like you know different topics, right? So um, punch cards, right? Well, not that far away, but but <laughs> but, but you know, I, I've used tapes and like uh, before the Mac, right? I was using the, the uh, you know, like discs, Sp- ZX Spectrum, yeah, before this, before the diskettes and floppy disk, before that, even like the, the tapes. So I, I just encourage that, and 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 I think the uh, now with the, like the kind of the daily stand up kind of report, which sometimes is like he would just say, "Oh, I'm just stuck on that," right? And this would be kind of the report, and then kind of would try to help him. Uh, and um, and kind of guide them to the solution. So uh, I think this helps, right? Because just just to save everybody's time, basically. Yeah, and I think like daily standups are a great way to encourage like that kind of communication because he's forced to basically say what he's stuck on, and also realize he's not the only one who's stuck on stuff and has qu- pending questions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In this case, we don't do that. Like. Publicly, so they they just each message me, but especially because what okay, one is a developer, one is a designer. Yeah, right. So like they don't necessarily kind of interact as far as like their tasks don't don't meet usually, unless the designer works specifically like on software. Then maybe it would be it would change, but it's not the case now. Now the designer works more with the marketing. Hey folks, I wanted to let you know about Linode. Linode is one of my favorite cloud server tools out there as far as hosting is concerned. You may have seen my latest project, Orchard Nest, where I have built a website completely in Swift for showcasing some of the latest and greatest blog posts, podcasts, and videos in the Swift community. And that site is completely hosted on Linode. In fact, I can tell you that the server is in Newark 
but they have servers all around the world, everywhere from Toronto to Mumbai. So you can set up anywhere or you can set up load balancing and share your site everywhere as well. But it has been a really fantastic tool in building Orchard Nest and it really does a great job showing me like various CPU usage and IP4 traffic, IP6 traffic, disk IO, etc. It's been awesome and it's been consistently running great. And I think it's a really great, you get a lot for your price, especially for developers who really want to build stuff hands-on and get the developer tools they need to start their brand new server project. So go ahead and give Linode a shot. The link to Linode is in the show notes below. Use that to let them know that you heard about Linode from this show. They've been awesome. I really enjoyed hosting Orchard Nest on Linode at orchardnest.com. It's been fantastic. They have all sorts of great tools. Get yourself a nice, simple Ubuntu server and start working on that Vapor application you want to today using Linode. Again, use the link in the show notes below to let them know you heard about Linode from us. And hopefully you can get started on your new project today. What are some other big challenges you've seen with like developing software in remote teams? I guess the code review, right? And I know today there are tools for that that kind of should help with that, but I I'm still didn't, like I didn't try any of those. So with the developer, it's usually either we just, you know, open, you know, I would open on my Xcode or he would paste a bit of code and I will kind of go from there and look again, like open the project in Xcode and mm-hmm. see what's there and kind of guide him this way. Uh, but, you know, like remembering from my, uh, you know, day job days and... Um, and like even university, like having like somebody like right by your shoulder, like where we actually like looking at the same screen. Yeah. At the same time, like when other like you know one person navigates and the other kind of you know talks or checks, this kind of was helpful. And I don't use any of those tools yet. And, yeah, I know. Like Tuple is a big one that's been in a lot of uh, circles that I've seen. People have been raving about. There is some stuff with like GitHub and GitLab, for instance, where you can do like code reviews within a pull request. Um, There's things like that. That's good for like asynchronous, like, oh, I want to review a code. But you still like, like you're saying, kind of, you need to have like a call, like a phone call or something where you can like say, hey, this is exactly what I meant about like how you need to change this specific architecture here and like go over that stuff. And I kind of, I, yeah, I completely agree with you, especially with like a junior developer. They need like the handholding essentially to know like how to fix some of the issues in the code. Yes. And like, the simplest would be just screen sharing. So we sometimes just go, okay, let's go like a Google Meet or something and share the screen. And and this kind of a simple you know, like two people share, uh, looking at the same screen. Speaking of Git and version control, what are some issues you see crop up with remote teams when it comes to that? Anything in particular? I don't know. I'm I'm not very um, like detailed about how to work with Git. Um, well, we do use Git and and we do use branches and you know we merge them and and all that. But again, we're not a large team. Yeah, I mean, it still helps, and I'm trying to do like the you know the kind of like the version, not version, like feature branches. It's it's I don't know it's always a struggle for me as well, like how atomic to do the commits, right? I, I would usually not 
spend the time to like rebase and and the commits, but I will try to make the best I can during the commits, right? So kind of okay, this is I'm fixing I fixed that or I added this feature, or I'm trying something, okay, I will try to commit that. But with larger features, something's complicated, right? If you need to like develop a new feature that goes like along with the like the UI and the I know like the kind of like the back end and the, and sometimes it just all has to grow together. So I will just have like a work in progress commit, right? Maybe at the end of the day. And not necessarily break this up because sometimes it's really hard to break up like a wide, like wide front of development where where kind of you go across the whole like cross section of the app, let's say, right? We develop. Yeah. We'll be talking more about Git actually in the next episode. I have Ben uh, Chatelaine coming on to talk about Git and Gitmojis and all the different things people need to know about when it comes to Git. So definitely you want to catch that next episode when it comes out probably next week. I'm like sure to listen. <laughs> There's, Git is just such a deep, deep subject. Um, there's always like 500 ways of, of doing stuff even more than you just realize. So one of the issues uh, specifically in the Apple space is dealing with like team management and developer teams and certificates and all that stuff. How do you deal with that as a, like with your indie team, essentially within the limits of the, <laughs> what they, what they allow, right? Like the, uh, with the teams and development, it's pretty I guess straightforward, right? You add a developer, you add, you allow them access to specific apps. So, um, the, the the developer I have um, in Poland, so he works on like uh, the iOS app we have called Socialite, and so he has the uh, basically like almost like all the rights to not to commit the app to the uh, for review and uh, to the app store. Both he and the uh, like the product like marketing person, she she also has access to that, Susanna. Uh, with the provisioning, yeah, you know, it's it's always a headache. Like I, I never quite understand provisioning, like one hundred percent how this works, and we just solve as it goes. Like luckily, Xcode became better with um, managing that for you know development devices. Uh, so this is fine uh, for the Mac apps. Uh, I do the releases. So, are you in the App Store? Yes, but okay, both App Store and Direct for the Mac apps. Okay, of course, yeah. So what other challenges do you face developing like in the Apple space and still being a remote team? Well, for me, like again, in the Apple space, I was always remote. So like, I don't know the other way, but uh, I, I would, I would think that like the larger the team gets and maybe like the, if you have like a QA, then, you know, like a remote team will have to have like their own, devices right everybody so like you cannot share maybe you know test devices and stuff like that so that might be uh you know a bit of a problem for like some teams that they have like to spend more on maybe on 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 equipment uh for remote team other than that i don't think there's anything like special about apple development versus like other types of development right because it's just because like for apple we usually develop for the devices and so everybody has to have the devices or or you have to or you have to ask right so maybe if i have the uh you know i have this kind of iphone and the other person has like this kind of iphone then okay everybody has to you know to test a little bit right and this is like the other thing again because there's no pool of devices in one place and then the other thing do you use any sort of continuous integration no 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 we don't we like just this 
such a small team. And I, I used to have it at one point. I used to have um, like an Xcode server at like Mac Mini Colo. Yeah, right. Before they changed name, names. And I was using that for um, uh, for one of the Mac apps when I was working with a different remote development team. And um, so I had this set up. And then when, you know, this app has uh, tests for the, like the data model and so it would run the tests, you know, when it... Uh, so it was in a way helpful, but when I stopped working with the team and it was pretty st- kind of stable and just managing and paying for that. And I eventually, after maybe a couple of years, I, I, I disabled that account. Uh, I thought of maybe having something like that at home, like, uh, but I don't know, like I'm still not at that scale where I see that as a, you know, as a problem that I need to solve. Right. So Jacob, before we close out, one of the biggest challenges I think folks face, especially with asynchronous communication and such, is, you know, we kind of touched on it with our junior developer, but how can you make sure that team members are spending less time, like, waiting for something that they're stuck on um, and that work is constantly queued up? So that way, if there's something they're waiting on, they can always work on something else. What what are some ways that you've found to like really help your team stay active? I can relate to that question because um, I was once um, like on a different remote contract where I was in the situation where I would sometimes get stuck and like I would finish my task and would not get the next task. And it was also across the like ocean, like my client was across the ocean. So I would have to wait till like, maybe the next evening for me. Uh, to get the net next task, and of course, it wasn't very, uh, you know, very helpful, right? Because I like I couldn't build, and so it, in my case, like with my team, uh, what I'm trying to do is yes, I'm trying to make sure like we have the tasks. So one thing is, well, we have these weekly meetings, and like we go through them, and I would usually try to make sure like and we have several things going at the same time, like if there is like smaller things, and so often we will have like more tasks maybe queued than kind of we can fit in the week. Right. But just, just in case something goes quicker, uh, you know, people can, can go. And if somebody is stuck like in, in, on something like one thing, again, more so maybe in like in marketing and, and design, uh, again, we have like a multitude of tasks. And so like they can jump maybe to something else right now, like while they're waiting maybe for, you know, for an answer. I think designers that does that quite a lot. He has uh, not necessarily he's waiting for an answer, but he is just like a variety of tasks, and and he would split his time, I guess, based on his uh, like preferences or mood or or anything, right? But but at any case, like there's always uh, enough task with the developer. I think like one thing is uh, well, first of all, you can give like larger tasks, right? But so like just that they're not kind of finished like in the middle of the week and waiting for the next weekly. Um, the other thing is, is what kind of, I, uh, we talked about where it introduced like the daily, right? Like, like the daily standup from agile, right? And, and this way, if they get stuck, then okay, they will not get, get stuck for a long time. And, and what helps with that also is for development projects, especially like, right? Is like the plan the projects and, and like ahead of time and break into smaller tasks, right? So like, again, if we, you take maybe, I don't know, like either it's waterfall or agile, like whatever methodology kind of you, you're using, but just just having like the, the tasks and maybe assign them ahead of time even, right? And so like if the developer finishes one, okay, he knows this is the next one. What can help with that is also have some kind of, you know, like a project management tool or um, or maybe uh, some other like tool. So like we use Asana mostly for both the design and the development. Okay. 
Asana is maybe not like the first choice for development teams. And, you know, people use these are like, like Jira maybe like, yeah, in the, uh, in the, in the most like heavy case. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, but you know, designers don't like Jira and kind of, it's, it's not for, for that or the marketing and Asana is kind of, it's like a good middle ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you can make it work for like software tickets. Again, it's not as good, but you can make integrations or like find integration and integrate with, um, you know, like backend tools if you need like Git or GitHub or anything. But, um, we use it more like lightweight, but it has tools now that work well, like the timeline and it's easy enough to use that. Like everybody, like those like different contractors I work with, like everybody find themselves comfortable using Asana. And so this is kind of the heart of the business. And so like the, all the like long term tasks and like the planning and like software, like issues or they like the sprints, we all manage that in, in Asana. Okay, cool. Thank you so much, Jacob, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Yo, thank you for inviting me. Where can people find you online? Well, um, my personal account, so like I'm mostly most active on Twitter. Uh, I think Twitter was a, like a godsend in the early days of indie development on the right <laughs> in the in the Cocoa space and like wherever I go to conferences, uh, people uh, you know exchange Twitter handles. So. Uh, mine is just uh, Jacob Gorbin, just like the full full name. I, I also like, write like you know through micro.blog, so like my personal homepage also like a gorbin.org. So like my last name g o r b a n dot r g. Okay. And the company is Apparent Software, but the domain is apparentsoft.com. Awesome. If people have any questions, they can reach us on Twitter. I'm at Leo G Dion. And my company is Bright Digit. Thank you for joining us. And we look forward to talking again. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.